You're listening to Beyond the Ordinary, a show about the companies, founders, and ideas that are shaping the future of health, science, and financial technology. Here's your host, Tommy Martin. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Beyond the Ordinary. I am very excited. I have an absolutely wonderful family friend with us today who is going to introduce you, all of you listeners that have wanted to understand this whole world of digital assets, cryptocurrency, these things called NFTs that we still can't get our arms around. Any of these things, you are in for a treat for an awesome kind of 101 level introduction to all of these things. So you're going to walk away feeling like you actually know what's going on in the metaverse. This is great. And we'll tell you what a metaverse is. By way of introduction, Reagan Cook is here with us today. Reagan, as I mentioned, is a great family friend. Uh, She has a finance and accounting background from Indiana University. I know lots of you are cheering right now. She actually was a swimmer there and uh, as a CPA. And her role today, she works with a company called Taxbit, an awesome company that specializes in tax and accounting for crypto and digital assets. So they make sure that people out there investing can do it in a way where they're staying on the right side of the IRS. So really, really important. And Taxbit is doing incredible work in that space. And more recently, and what prompted me to say, hey, Reagan, I really need you to come do an episode with us. Reagan was at BYU doing accounting education for digital assets, and she had to cover some of this introductory level things for the BYU students. And I was like, oh my gosh, we need that. So Reagan, I am so thankful you're here today. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, great. Well, Reagan, we're going to dive right into it. So I have to start at the basics. And, you know, we're at Thanksgiving I'm sitting around talking with the family and somehow digital assets came up and the question of what the heck is cryptocurrency? What is the blockchain came up? So start us at the very basic introductory level, help our listeners understand what is it that they're hearing about when they hear about these digital things? Yeah, thanks for the question. So if we think about the digital asset space, Digital asset is kind of the umbrella term for um, all the different, you know, forms of digital asset that we talk about. And one of the most common forms of digital asset that we talk about is cryptocurrency. And so if we think about what is cryptocurrency, how is it used and how do I get it? Think of it as a token that you can purchase on specific exchanges. Let's talk about a Coinbase, for example. So I can go onto an exchange and purchase a token with real money that I would go and pay for other goods and services with. And so I use that money that I use to transact in my day-to-day life to purchase one of these tokens. This token is what we refer to as cryptocurrency. And what gives that cryptocurrency value is the ability to transact with that token. I can go onto an exchange, let's use Coinbase as the example, and I can purchase one Bitcoin with money that I would use to purchase other goods and services in my day-to-day life. So Reagan, when you talk about something like Coinbase, is that like an app somebody can get on their phone? 
Yeah. So Coinbase is an app that anyone can go online and download onto their phone. So and then once they do that, then they can actually go load money. And then that's what you're saying, the exchanges where they can then go buy some of these digital things like Bitcoin. Yep. So I can download the Coinbase app onto my phone. I can link my bank account and I can transfer money from my bank account directly to Coinbase to purchase tokens. Awesome. Listeners, I apologize. For some of you, this is like way too elementary, but we got to start with a 101 level foundation. We are going to get to some really cool stuff along the way. So be ready. There's going to be some nice little Easter eggs here, I promise. But Reagan, when you're saying a token, is this like they actually mail you coins in the mail? Is that what happens when somebody buys Bitcoin? They mail them that token? The digital asset space is completely virtual. It is digital. There's no physical form. So they're not going to mail me a token if I buy Bitcoin. No tokens in the mail. So listeners, again, really important. I know this is way too elementary for some of you, but we really want to make sure we take care of those people that are just now getting acquainted with uh, the future of the world. And so, Reagan, we really appreciate it. And to Reagan's coworkers who are listening at some point, um, you have to imagine how hard this is for her to have to go to this level, but we really, really appreciate it. So <laughs> awesome. So Reagan, I want to uh, I want to take a step back. Then, why on earth would somebody want digital money that they can't have in their hand? That's a good question. The value proposition right now for cryptocurrency and blockchain technology is the ability to transact in ways that we as a society have not been able to transact before. So let's think about, I have a family member in another country. I now have the ability with this token that I just purchased to instantaneously send that token directly to the family member, which is something that we would need to go through a third party for historically. Got it. So it's uh, you're really opening up the global economy is what it sounds like. You're opening up globally instead of kind of one country at a time as our current system tends to operate. Yep. Very cool. So Reagan, I know uh, one of the first things that as Bitcoin was first starting to become popular, things like that, other other digital currencies, there's a lot of talk about, oh, this is going to be used for money laundering and crime. Uh, And I know there's been lots of tremendous headway that's occurred. Can you help educate our listeners if they're maybe concerned that, you know, this is just a tool for the mob, you know, what would you say to that? Yeah. So with blockchain technology and the use of cryptocurrency on the blockchain, we have full transparency as to what every single transaction is that occurs on the blockchain. And so if we think about right now how we currently operate with our money, it's pretty protected and only I can see the transaction that goes to the end user. With cryptocurrency, it's instantaneous transactions and I can also have full transparency to those transactions that are not replicable and entirely unique on the blockchain. And so what does that even mean? Any transaction that happens in cryptocurrency is recorded on the blockchain, 
which means that there is full transparency and unique identifiers for every single transaction that occurs, which allows us to transact and have record keeping in ways we have historically not ever been able to do. And so while there are, you know, random places on the internet that people can transact with this cryptocurrency, there's a new level of transparency available um, with this blockchain technology that I'm talking about. So people shouldn't have to worry that all this is doing is creating a venue for nefarious activity. We could make that case with anything that we transact in. My, my take on this right now is, and I know this is cliche to say, but this is the early stages of the internet. And to anyone listening, if this is an incorrect fact, please keep me honest. Um, cryptocurrency and the digital asset space is being adopted faster than the internet was adopted. And so it is a scary concept because we don't understand the use cases. You know, it's a lot of new information to learn, but that's what we're here for talking about this right now. And anytime there's massive disruption in any type of uh, anything in the history of ever, there's always a period of having to figure out what are those full use cases? How do we make it the safest it can be? How do we make it the most efficient that it can be? Certainly, we are at the early stages of some of that. Rain, you've mentioned a few times this thing called the blockchain. What are we talking about? What is this blockchain you speak of? So let's think of the blockchain as a completely digital ledger. Let's think of computers across the entire globe, which is constantly recording every time there's a transaction, a unique ID on that blockchain network, which means that every transaction that occurs is correct and uniquely identified and stored on this blockchain network. And so in the past, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of my mother in her language. This would be like she used to go into her checkbook and reconcile. Anytime she wrote a check, she would write it down. She would say, this is how much I just wrote a check for. She'd make the addition, the subtraction. And she had a copy of that ledger. And then the bank had a copy on their end of like, here's when the money went out of your account. But it wasn't open to the public. It wasn't something where a large group of people could keep their eyes on it. And we talk about this concept of crowdsourcing and that the crowd usually knows better than the individual. And when we're crowdsourcing, with something like a financial transaction, imagine instead of one person at the bank and then just you having this record, having it really open and there are simultaneously hundreds if not thousands of users who their whole job is to make sure that that record is accurate. So anybody that's in that space, I think would submit that the possibility for error goes way down with this type of digital accounting than the possibility for error in kind of our more archaic systems where it was just one person doing a digital check. And today it's mostly done through a digital check that's coded, which means if that coder had an error in the code, then it's going to be an incorrect accounting. And that's not always as easy to fix. Am I saying that reasonably, Reagan? Yeah, that is absolutely correct. And the, the best way that I can describe this is 
It's a decentralized system that's automatically recording a unique identifier and the exact transaction that occurs at the time of the transaction. And so we are essentially removing the third party from the transactions that are occurring and it's being recorded on this completely decentralized network, let's say. And Reagan, a lot of our listeners are concerned about privacy and all these things. If I buy something with Bitcoin, let's pretend I go out and I buy like 20 pounds of chocolate with Bitcoin. Can people see that I bought that chocolate? Like, do they know that that was Tommy and he bought chocolate? Not necessarily. Not unless you want them to. Okay, that makes me feel better. So if somebody used Bitcoin to purchase something, they don't, you know, they don't necessarily have to show the whole world. Here's what I bought or how much I spent on it or that it was me. And so, Reagan, that kind of takes us to something we call a digital wallet. You know, people are used to like they've got their wallet in their pocket or their purse or maybe their wallet is now their phone case. Tell me the difference. What is an actual digital wallet? So a digital wallet is essentially a unique string of text and numbers that is completely unique to you. And it is the unique identifier that allows me, for example, to transact across different platforms using the tokens that I have in that existing wallet. So I keep my digital tokens in my wallet like that's you know but it's not a real wallet it's not a physical wallet it's actually a an online wallet that i can use to actually buy stuff or uh trade stuff or whatever it may be yes and so when we think about this digital wallet that is represented with this string of unique text This digital wallet allows us to transact across different digital asset platforms. Got it. So, Reagan, you mentioned Bitcoin as a cryptocurrency. Are there other cryptocurrencies? Yeah. So there are actually right now almost 10,000 unique cryptocurrencies. But let's stay focused here. And I want to talk about the top cryptocurrencies, if you will. So um, most people are familiar with Bitcoin. The other cryptocurrency that is popular and you know widely adopted is the Ethereum network. So let's call it ETH for short. The Ethereum network exists. And within that network is the ETH token that I can transact with across multiple different platforms. And so ETH is another popular cryptocurrency that you can transact in in many different places. So there's actually like 10,000 different coins. And actually, listeners, I had no clue there were that many. So I'm learning things as well. And But what you're saying, Reagan, is the most popular, if we really boiled it down, took the Pareto principle and said, you know, where's the bulk of digital currency? Mm-hmm. You're, you're saying that's Bitcoin and Ethereum. Yep. And there are a few others okay. I could list off here, but you know, the, the digital asset space in general, what makes it unique is that it is demand driven. And so that is the differentiation between money that we use to buy goods and services on a daily basis and let's say gold, for example. And so right now, 
you know, these cryptocurrencies are extremely volatile and the demand right now is driven on the actual application of that cryptocurrency. Right now, I can go on to a Coinbase, for example. Bitcoin and ETH are the top cryptocurrencies right now to purchase and transact in. But there's an entire list of cryptocurrencies to purchase. And listeners, just as a really important disclosure here, Reagan and I, when we are talking about any type of cryptocurrency or any other digital assets we're going to talk about in a little bit, we are not recommending that you buy any of those things. This is meant to be purely educational. We want to get you up to speed with the future that's happening to the digital world right now. So uh, you are... This should not be when we talk about Ethereum or Bitcoin. We are not saying go buy that by any means. You need to continue to go educate yourself before you dip your toes and actually purchase any type of digital assets. So really important. Reagan, moving beyond cryptocurrency. So I, I think our listeners get the idea. That's just kind of like it's like digital money that's kind of global instead of just based on your own home country. Moving beyond that, there are lots of other digital assets that are popping up. And there's these things I hear about called NFTs. So if you're listening, just for clarity, that's NFT as in November Foxtrot Tango, <laughs> NFTs. These are like blown up. They're being talked about everywhere, Reagan. What the heck is an NFT? Yeah, that's awesome. So an NFT, if we want to be specific here, that stands for non-fungible token. That means absolutely nothing, I'm sure. Wait, wait. Excuse me, what? <laughs> Did you say non-fungible <laughs> token? <laughs> yes. So what what does that even mean? That really means nothing to a majority of people. But in the context of this conversation, an NFT represents, you know, these images right now that we're seeing online that are selling for millions of dollars. And so an NFT is not just a picture. It's not just these you know, colorful pictures of apes that are selling for millions of dollars online. This is anything from virtual worlds, virtual clothing, photos, music. There's now a platform for writing that is technically considered an NFT. And this is all being monetized through the use of cryptocurrency. So Reagan, if, if I, in my elementary brain, think of it as digital art, is that a reasonable way to describe it? Yeah, let's think of it as digital art with those tokens that I purchased on this app that I downloaded on my phone. Okay. And Reagan, I happen to know, just being family friends, you are an artist. So have you actually created any NFTs yet? Yeah. So I historically was, you know, an oil or acrylic painter. I also love to draw. Once I started learning about the digital asset space, I thought the best way for me to learn how the NFT space works is to go in, buy cryptocurrency, and actually create and sell an NFT. And so what I did on my iPad using an app, I created some art, and I went through the process of creating an NFT and selling it on OpenSea, which is a marketplace for this digital art. So listeners, I'd said there would be some Easter eggs along the way. One of my fun 
uh, examples is I happened to get wind that Reagan was becoming a digital artist, launching some NFTs. And so I became the highest bidder of the Glossy Lips <laughs> collection that Reagan had created. So I am a uh, I am a proud bidder of Glossy Lips. You <laughs> listeners can now go find those. You can go find those on OpenSea and you can try to outbid me. Uh, but hopefully by then you'll just be buying them from me because I am uh, certainly convinced I know Reagan's quality of art and I am absolutely convinced someday these are going to be worth an absolutely lot of money. So uh, Reagan had to had to let you know that today. <laughs> you know, on OpenSea, you don't know who anyone is. Everyone is just identified by this unique string of text. And so I had no idea that that was you bidding on my artwork online. And so, you know, you can establish this entire portfolio of buying and selling and no one even knows that it's you. Absolutely. My goal is to be this anonymous Reagan Cook <laughs> art collector and then, uh, you know, someday surprise her as like her number one art <laughs> fan. But I, I'm telling you this... This woman is just an absolutely insanely talented artist and she's really understated about it. She would never tell anyone that. So I'm really excited to tell the world. So Reagan at Thanksgiving, the whole family's around. We end up talking about these non-fungible tokens and this thing comes up of like, well, like, what do you do with it? You know, you buy this Reagan Cook art collection or... Uh, at the time, the way it came up is Disney had just released their initial lineup of NFTs. And so we're talking about, you know, okay, great. You own this digital artwork of Mickey's hat. What the heck do you do with that? Rain, what would you say? You know, what what do people do with their digital art? Yeah. So right now, it's it's an interesting space because I think that we you know, in this space that we don't clearly understand, we want to categorize the entire digital asset space into one simple use case. And, you know, to your question, what do you do with it? Why do we value these things? My comment on that is I do believe that there are just an infinite amount of use cases for this NFT space specifically. So for example, um, you know, soccer professional soccer teams are selling trading cards online. Celebrities are purchasing these million dollar images, if you will, and they're being invited to exclusive events and they have, you know, insight to exclusive information. Another use case that I'd like to point out, um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Discord, but there are booming Discord communities right now. And if you don't know what Discord is, it's essentially an online communication channel and it's becoming really popular for the crypto and NFT space. And so what does this even look like? I can go and find an NFT collection that looks appealing to me. I can join the Discord. And for example, this Discord that I joined recently, I'm not gonna say the name of it, but they have, you know, created this collection of NFTs and they are donating proceeds to a specific charity um, and they're building community around this collection that they're building and selling to people. 
Reagan, that sounds, you know, very recently in the news, I saw this whole thing about a group of people had come together to purchase a copy of the Constitution. They'd raised like $43 million. Is that what you're talking about? Like kind of this new, even uh, almost like crowdsourced ownership of art in some cases. Yeah, absolutely. What we're seeing is individuals having partial ownership and I don't like to use the word things, but anything from virtual real estate to images of famous sports players to music to domain names, there's an insane number of use cases right now within the NFT space. And, you know, on top of that, it's not only I want to go and buy this what looks like uh, just a simple image. And you'll hear people say, well, can't you just screenshot it? And it's the same image that I would have if I just screenshotted it and shared it the other way. That's where the blockchain technology comes in and the actual definition of non-fungible token. Go back to the initial conversation we were having about transactions being completely unique and documented on this decentralized network. That image that I purchased is unique. It's not replicable. And I now have this certificate of authenticity through the blockchain technology. So, Ray, and here's how I think about it. Like, as I was growing up, you know, sports cards were the thing everybody wanted to collect. And how I've thought of NFTs is not too far off of like, yeah, of course, somebody could take a picture of that baseball card. That doesn't mean they own that baseball card. So, you know, the blockchain is really a certificate of authenticity. You don't have to ever worry about, was this a fake baseball card? You know, I have the real thing and I own the real thing. It's just, I happen to own it digitally instead of one that I hold in my hand. And it was actually Reagan's brother, who is one of my business partners. He said it so well to me uh, a couple of weeks ago. He said, look, there's a whole new generation of people growing up that they don't want to own physical stuff. They just want to own everything on their phone and be mobile. And this is a way they can still own these same collectibles, things like that. And uh, what helped reinforce that, I saw just a couple of weeks ago, Tim Tebow, one of my heroes, hopefully someday we'll get him on the show here, but Tim Tebow actually uh, started with some partners, something called Campus Legends. And what they're doing, I love because there's a mission behind it. They're going out to colleges like Florida, Michigan State, maybe someday Indiana University. They're getting the rights to sell digital sports cards of college athletes. And now that college, now that college athletes can actually get paid, this is fantastic. It's setting up these athletes for you know, getting paid for the talent that they're working through and knowing that most of those athletes are not going to go pro someday. It's giving them a way to capitalize on their hard work as athletes. And so most of the proceeds from Campus Legends actually go back to the athletes. I think it's just absolutely tremendous. Uh, they're taking care of those athletes for their future, for the hard work that we're all enjoying by watching them today. And they're not just doing it for football, although I did see they landed the Heisman contract. Uh, they're doing it for all sports. So if you have a favorite swimmer at Indiana University, you can go 
get a, you know, you could go get a collectible sports card digitally of that favorite swimmer. So pretty awesome. Reagan, this has been tremendous and I really appreciate it. You are one of the most advanced people in this space right now. And your company is sure at the leading edge of the spear on making sure that uh, we, we build in some good regulations around it for the future. And yet today you've been willing for our audience to really take it down to an elementary level. And I certainly appreciate that. We're moving into the final segment of our episode where I get to ask two questions. So my first question is the question that everybody wants to know, which really is the question I want to know. And then my next question is the question everybody actually wants to know. So my question today is, I hear about this thing called the metaverse and, you know, Facebook just announced they're changing their name to meta. Clearly, this is like a societal trend. What the heck is this metaverse and do I live in it? Great question. The metaverse is intended to be essentially just a virtual world for us to transact and interact with. You know, I can give you an example of how the metaverse is coming to life and how it ties back to some of the concepts that we were talking about. Just recently, a plot of virtual real estate was sold for over $2 million which is intended to be used in the metaverse for things like fashion shows and commerce within this exploding world. So I'm not sure if you're familiar with the game Sims, but the best way that I can describe and conceptualize what the metaverse is, is a monetized environment such as the game Sims, where, you know, there's people, there's clothing, there's different um, geographic locations. It's a form of entertainment interaction, and it's now being monetized specifically through this example that I just described of real estate being sold specifically for the use of this metaverse environment. Another example I'd like to throw out there is Ralph Lauren is creating digital clothing. They're currently selling their digital clothing through this digital marketplace called Zipito. Not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Consumer retailers that we're familiar with in our day-to-day lives, they are moving their product into this digital environment through the form of digital clothing, virtual real estate, gaming opportunities. Um, So it's a really interesting combination of commodities, entertainment, uh, investment, all in one virtual environment. Wow. So there's someday, you're telling me someday, Reagan, I may buy a digital shirt instead of a real shirt. And even if I don't know why yet today, that's kind of the whole point of change in society and progress to the next generation is that they do a lot of crazy stuff that we wonder why the heck they're doing it. And then eventually it just becomes normal. And so, uh, yes, we're at the very beginning of this metaverse, this kind of digital universe where uh, some people are going to choose to live kind of more online than in the real world. And there's parts of that that are super sad, but there's also ways that creates connections globally that we've not had the opportunity to have as a society in the past when we were just living with our own village. 
And so, uh, you know, with any change, there's lots of good, lots of bad. So thanks for helping me understand that. Reagan, here's the real question. So, you know, we did it. We did a great kind of elementary introduction today. Hopefully some of our listeners want to take it to the next level. They want to continue to educate themselves and get a better understanding of this digital world that's transforming in front of all of us. What are some of your favorite resources you would recommend if they want to continue to develop their education to the next level? Coindesk does a daily podcast. It's less than 15 minutes each morning. It's called Markets Daily Crypto Roundup, and they highlight three to five of kind of the top industry stories. And then I would also recommend the Coinbase Bytes subscription on Coinbase. You can subscribe through Coinbase to get an email with a summary of what's going on in the market and the industry. And the third thing I'll mention here is the Taxbit blog, which provides articles that are more technical and more in-depth on you know, consumer and enterprise level tax reporting expectations and enterprise level accounting concepts. Reagan, thank you so much. And thank you for the work that you and Taxbit are doing to really bring all these digital assets to a point where the regulation is tight enough where we can kind of have a reliable asset class behind it. So again, listeners today, this is not a recommendation that you need to go out there and buy any of these digital assets. It's just a recommendation that you continue to increase your knowledge base because this is happening right in front of you. And Greg, we're so thankful to have an expert like you on the show today. And listeners, thank you so much for joining us here at Beyond the Ordinary. We look forward to seeing you again soon. Thanks, Reagan. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Beyond the Ordinary. This podcast is brought to you by Mammoth and produced by Reverb. If you like this show, consider sharing it with a friend. You can subscribe to future episodes in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information about Mammoth and Beyond the Ordinary, visit us at mammoth.vc.